I'm going to let our team stop. I'm going to let you sit down. I'm going to let you get your Bible out. Why don't you open it to Matthew 28 this morning while I take a sip of my water and bring, and bring myself down this morning. It's good. Oh, sorry, you got that slurp right in the mic. My bad. All right, Matthew 28, Matthew 28. Whew. You know, I do want to acknowledge, though, that this season is difficult for people, and uh, I want to remind you we're here to pray for you, pray with you um, in this season. If you need any form of pastoral care, if you're just desperate for a person-to-person catch-up, our pastoral team is still allowed to make pastoral visits, and we would love to come and visit you. Uh, we know not everyone is interested in doing that, but if you are, please let us know. We will jump in a car. We will come and visit. We will stand COVID safe outside with you. However you wish to, you know, have that visa, we will do that. Uh, We're here for you. I want to encourage you also, uh, just that little reminder, this is not forever. This whole season that we're trying to navigate and unpack right now, we can feel like it's a forever. We can feel like it's a sudden new normal. We can feel like all those things. But the truth is, we're going to get through this. There's going to be another side to this. And I'm convinced that if we were to keep our focus on where God has told us we're going, uh, that is one of the most important things that we can do in this season. And, um, you know, if you, if you have watched the video that my amazing wife and I uh, sent out this week, I just, I apologize. I'm not great uh, on a camera, let's be honest, like a little phone camera. I'm like, I'm like looking off, I rewatched that. I'm like looking off into the, the, uh, the, the, the somewhere region that doesn't, you know, I'm just, I'm like, uh, like, I'm like, what's going on? So, you know, my apologies, my apologies. I was up like five times to Oakley the night before and I was a little tired. I had to like these text messages of people like, are you okay? Praying for you. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm just terrible in, in a camera. I'm like looking at the camera, not the actual, I'm looking at the phone, not the actual camera. And it looks like I'm just, I'm just looking off into the weird distance. It's like, are you there, Nate? Are you? I'm good. I'm still there. If you haven't watched it, now you're going to, to, uh, to see how badly. I come across on a phone camera. Um, but, you know, I, wanna, I really want to unpack our vision this morning. I want to do that uh, because I really believe that it is critical in maintaining the focus on where we're heading. And, um, you know, I, I, I love seeing the chats because I love seeing how much what, what's coming out of me from the Spirit of God is resonating with you. That's why we love the chat, right? Like it's, it's a way in which we feel like we're connecting, but it's also a way where I feel like God is speaking to you this morning. So please, Please, as, as I'm preaching this morning, don't, don't drop out of the chat. Keep it going. Put some raised hand things, you know, if you can't type, you just want to press that. Uh, that lets me know that you're getting what God is bringing this morning, right? You're, you're, it's resonating in your spirit, and I appreciate everything you put in there about what I was getting worked up about before. But, you know, vision is really important. Proverbs says, without vision, people perish. Uh, vision gives us a destination. It's where God's taking us. And, um, you know, when we, when we labeled our church C3 Victory, when we gave it a label for this season, it was, it was so intentional and so deliberate. And we felt it, was in, it absolutely was from God. When we said, you know what, C3 Victory, we are a home for hope. That was not a good idea. That was a prophetic declaration of who God was shaping us as a people 
into. You know, the, the reality is that, that it's very easy to think that a home for hope is a physical location. And I'm telling you, one day we are absolutely going to have a physical location that we call our home for hope. But, but before we get that, we have got to understand that we as people, as the community of believers, we first must be homes for hope. And Pastor Darren did an incredible job last week unpacking that and helping us to realize that way before we get a building, we've got to be the building. We have got to understand that, that Jesus' Holy Spirit is living within us. We are a temple for His Holy Spirit and we carry Him wherever we go. And I, I really believe that actually God wants us to get that before we get bricks and mortar. I 100% believe bricks and mortar are in our future, but I believe more importantly than that is who we are when we get it. And we've got to get that we carry the Holy Spirit in us. And when we are gathered, it's powerful. And when we are out into the community, we've, we're still carrying that same Holy Spirit. We don't stop being a home for hope because Sunday's finished or because we've, we, we've left V Group or, or, or whatever we tend to first uh, conceptualize as being that's the home. No, 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 you are the home individually. And we, we rattled out like a couple of phrases during that, right, we rattled out that we are individually a home for hope, we are collectively a home for hope, we are corporately a home for hope, and we are locationally a home for hope. And that was really important, right? There's a progression there. You get it. You first and foremost, you are a home for hope. And if you missed last week's message by Pastor Darren, go back and listen to that. You are a carrier of His Holy Spirit. You have hope stirring in you. And you take that wherever you go. But then collectively, when we get together, wherever that is, right? The gathering of believers, when two or more are gathered together, I am there in their midst. Collectively, we are the home for hope. We go from having a, a spring inside of us to being the river of God flowing out, right? There is, a, there is a multiplying and a magnifying effect of the Spirit of God in our midst when we are collectively together. It's also because we can't be the community of believers as an individual, right? The, the community is is the community, it's collective, right? Like it's, it's all of us, it's together. It's, it, there's so much of that aspect of what it means to be the body of Christ. You can't be a body alone. And that's why I love this online season right now is because we can be separate, but we're not alone. Uh, and this is why it's so important that we actually connect, we actually get on and, and chat because that's, the, that's the, the only connection point we might have right now, but that's a, that's a I'm not alone connection point. That's a we're, we're a collective connection point, right? So please lean into that. And um, this morning, what I really want to do is I really want to unpack the corporate right? We are individual, we are collective, and we are corporately. So there are things that we do corporately, like when we put on church on a Sunday, this gathering, right? Or when we, when we formulate uh, uh, V groups, or when we do uh, organized and, and distinct gatherings of the church, right? Like there is a corporate nature, and we shouldn't be weird about that. It's a, it's a both end. It's who we are as well as who we are individually, collectively, right? Like we can't separate those two. When we do, we get messy. We go on one side of a spectrum that should be held in tension. And, and so this morning, I want to unpack the corporate home for hope. I want to let you know where we're going, 
right? Because this season is not forever and there is a destination and we will be back together in a corporately organized space at some point in time. But let me tell you, this space that we have entered, we're also not leaving this space. Why would we give up ground that we have taken just to go back to where we were camping? No, no, God is actually, God, God, this isn't, this whole season we are in church, it's an opportunity, right? And if you can see it, You'll see what, you, what, what the world would like to tell you as an obstacle and a, as, and a restriction. You'll see it as an opportunity for God to move us into a direction we never anticipated going, but absolutely see His hand in moving us into. And I'm telling you, however, it looks moving forward over the next few months. And, uh, and I certainly know that for the next month, we are going to be solely online as we are right now. We're going to continue that for the next month. But beyond that, I believe... And I'm not saying that it's going to be exactly beyond that, okay? Don't hear that. But I know there is a future beyond us where we will still have a gathering that is an online service, not just a broadcast of our in-person gathering, but we will have a space that is online where people who are our church but gather in that space feel as though that is their gathering and we will have in-person gatherings and we will come back together and all those things, but we are not giving up the ground that we have taken. And there's a buzzword going around, there's a hybrid church, but I believe it's the future of our church to be in those spaces, to gather in those spaces. So Matthew 28, 18 to 20, I hope you've had your finger in that spot. I know I'm, I'm talking a lot this morning, but I have so much, uh, I guess, burdening me about where we're going this morning. It's a good burden. It's a light burden. Um, but Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, right? Jesus has completely established himself. He has defeated the enemy. Cross hell had done the crosses. The enemy hell grave, all done, defeated. He now has all authority. And in that moment, coming into the fullness of his kingship and his kingdom, he says this, therefore now go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. <laughs> if there was ever a time to be sure of this, be sure of this. I am with you always. Always means always. It's great. You look it up, you dig into it. Like you can look in other languages, go for it. Always means always, right? Even to the end of the age. All right, even to the end of the age. Now, if you are a disciple and you have just seen Jesus die and rise again, and the first thing he tells you to do is, listen, everything's changed. From now on, you're to go and make disciples. You, 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 you're to go and tell them this story. You're to go and tell them who I am and you're to teach them and you're to, you, you, you're to shape them and you're to form them into, into my followers, people who believe in me and align their life with me, right? I want to tell you something. That directive has never changed. That directive is our directive. And, and we've got to understand like our King, our Lord, the one who we have allowed and chosen, let's remind ourselves that we have chosen to allow him to dictate the direction, the values and the priorities of our life. He has said to us, your purpose 
is to go and make disciples of all nations is to go and tell them about the gospel, is to invite them in a relationship with me and is to teach them what that looks like and raise them to love me, know me and be transformed by me. And so I want to make it really clear that that victory, a home for hope, that is our number one purpose, all right? Like I know that should be our, you don't need to say that, but we should never think we don't need to say it because we can easily get off track if we don't say it. And so I'm here saying it this morning. Our number one purpose is to go and make disciples. It's to go and make disciples. Now, the thing about that is, is, is that discipleship, we've got to understand that the journey of discipleship begins before decision, right? Like our interactions with people who don't believe in Jesus yet, it's part of their journey. Now, we, we, normally, we normally keep the word discipleship to like post-decision. But if we do that, we forget that a part of our purpose as the church is pre-decision. It's actually to be interacting with those that don't know Jesus and be doing an intentional relationship with them in the hope and the belief that God is working in their life and that we are in partnership with Him, moving them into a knowledge of Him so that they might make a decision for Him. And so discipleship begins before decision but it should result in decision. If, if we aren't, if our relationships aren't moving people, even if it's incrementally and slowly towards a point where they might make a decision for Jesus, then what we're doing is not discipleship. It begins before decision, it results in decision, it builds beyond decision, right? Like we are building this new life at a decision. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are born again. We suddenly have a new life that we are now building in the image of Jesus. And then ultimately discipleship, discipleship creates another decision. It begins before decision. It results in decision. It builds beyond decision and then it creates another decision, right? Like there is something that has, can I say, died in us if our desire to bring other people to Jesus is not there. Something about being His disciple means that in us is generated a desire to bring other people into that relationship, right? And so our own discipleship should direct us to a point where we are helping others to make a decision. Our a true disciple makes other disciples, and so, and so we've got we've to stir up that desire within us sometimes. We've got to remind ourselves of, of, of who we are in Him and our relationship with Him to the point where we, we actually desire to make other disciples and not forget that this is not all about us. And so for, for us at C3 Victory, we have articulated this purpose of making disciples with three statements. We call these our heartbeat. This is not brand new. This is just reiterating our vision, right? right? Our reason is Jesus. That is the why. That is the absolute essence. We just did a whole series on Colossians. His reason is Jesus. Our reason is Jesus. Our mission is people. That's the who, right? We don't disciple pets. I'm really sorry, but like, I'm sure dogs are going to be in heaven. Cats, I'm pretty sure, are going the other way, but that's just me, right? Our why, our who, and our what, right? Our what, our goal is hope. Our goal is hope, right? Because as we bring people in a relationship with Jesus, that's what they get. They end up with hope, right? Like it's the beginning, but it's also the result. The beginning is because we have hope. Hope 
Jesus, that they would find him. But then once they found him, it, it, it would then be producing a hope in them to then give to others. And so our goal is to find hope and give hope. Our goal is hope. And so in that, we, de- we, we, we define why, we define who, and we define what. But there's two things that clearly aren't defined in that, right? And that is, that is the how and the where. And the reason we don't define those is because the how and the where is, is they're the variables, right? They're, they're the things that should be, should be numerous and they're the things that should be varied. And so what we need to do is refine and define what needs to be, but then we need to make sure that there is space under how we define how and where. Now, you've got to understand that every church is going to have their own how and where. Every church is going to have their own way. And this is really important. This is why there's a body of Christ. This is why there's toes, nose, lips, like the whole, the whole thing, right? Is because everybody is free to do the how and the where. But I want to unpack this morning for you a little bit of our how and a little bit of our where, if that's all right. Right? And we're going to take these things from Acts 2, 42 to 47. I know I'm using two scriptures this morning. It's a little bit. Acts 2, 42 to 47 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Communion is not the only meal we share together. And to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Um, Packed that a little bit more. They sold their property and possessions and they shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved that's a that's such a great passage of scripture to unpack the early formations of the corporate or the organized gatherings of the body of believers Okay, and what we see in that is actually that there were two key kind of ways or hows, if you will, two hows that came out of the early formations of the church, the church being the gathering of the believers, right? And so there were two ways that they started to gather and they recognized that each had reason, each had intentionality, each had its own identity, each had whys to to why we gathered the way we gathered in those spaces. And I want to unpack for you uh, actually over the next two weeks, these two spaces, okay? Uh, And the first one that we see is the temple. They gathered in the temple. The temple for them was a particular type of gathering. It had a particular identity. It had a particular purpose. There were certain things that were done at the temple. There were certain ways they operated at the temple. And then the second one was the table, right? They, They gathered around the table in people's homes, right? And so they all gathered together at the temple, but then they also gathered in people's homes. And when they did that, they shared meals. They talked, they connected, right? There were different things that happened in those spaces, but both were important. Both were vital. Both were intentional. And as a church, we are moving into a season right now where I'm going to define for you what it looks like for us as C3 Victory to gather in a temple gathering. And next week, I'm going to unpack and teach what it means for us to gather 
around a table together. And they are both important and they are both intentional and they are both different. And that's really important for us to understand because if everything is the same, if everything has the same purpose, it has no purpose, okay? So we are defining now what each space does in the corporate expression of our church. And in doing so, we are also defining what it doesn't do. And that's really important. It's really important to understand what a temple gathering is for because then we know what it's not for. And it's really important to understand what a table gathering is for because then we understand and, and we can measure our expectation around what it's not for. And we won't be looking for what we get out of the table when we come to the temple and we won't be trying to get the temple generated at the table. We can enjoy both for their varied and, and, and yet distinct elements in the life of the community of believers. And so if you're ready, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to dive in right now to what we would describe as our temple. Now, first and foremost, it's not a brick building, okay? We're not talking about the moment we gather in a building, remembering that God is doing something in us as homes for hope before He ever gives us bricks and mortar, okay? So we are not talking about the moment that we gather in one physical, tangible building. That is not our temple, okay? But the temple is the large gathering of the body of believers. Now, I want to make something real clear, really clear. This right here, right now, this is our temple gathering. It doesn't need to be in a building, right? But it does need to be the place where all the believers gather together and it has a purpose to it. And we're going to get onto that. We're going to get onto that real soon. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I want to unpack it sequentially so that you, you get the revelation and you get the reason and, and you can start to realize what our temple is going to look like, okay? If you give me a second, I'm just going to sip some water. All right, and so the model... The model for our temple this morning comes from Luke 15. And I've not given our AV guys this scripture because I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to go through it. And I want to encourage you this week, if you're looking for something to read this week, read Luke 15. Amazing passage of scripture, words of Jesus, stories of Jesus, describing amazing, beautiful elements of, of the kingdom of God. And, um, and there's some things in there that we are going to pull out right now that give us a description of our temple gathering, okay? And so in Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories. He tells the story of the lost sheep, he tells the story of the lost coin, and then he tells the story of the lost son. Okay, and each of those has some some um, very similar and repetitive elements to it. Okay, and if Jesus repeats things, it's worth taking notice, right? Like if Jesus is repeating and repeating and repeating, there's something he's trying to get across. There's something that he's trying to get us to grab a hold of and realize about what it looks like to be in his kingdom and a part of his body. And so in, in the lost sheep, it's the start. And he pulls some stuff out in particular verses four and six, I would encourage you to look at. You can jot them down in your notes, right? And when it comes to the lost coin, I would encourage you to look at verse eight and nine for the point of similarity. Four and six, eight and nine. And then for the lost son, there's a couple of verses. 20, 29, 20, I'm gonna say five because I can't read my own writing. And then verse 32. Now, let me summarize for you all of those verses. All of those verses, 
okay? The whole story, here we go. Something was lost, something got found. When it got found, the person threw a party and invited his neighbours to come and celebrate being found. The sheep was found, so the shepherd went, invited his neighbours and threw a party. The coin was found, and so the woman invited her neighbours and threw a party. Why? Because something was found. The celebration was about being found. The son was lost. He came home. What did the dad do? Killed the fatted calf, put a robe, a ring and some sandals on his feet, invited the neighbours in the town to have a party. Right, we've got to understand that there is something about having a celebration that is key to being in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you right now that for us, for us, this is our temple. When we gather together, we are celebrating being found. We are celebrating our salvation. We are celebrating the fact that we were lost and now we have been found. And I'm telling you, it's meant to be a party. When we get together, it's meant to feel like a celebration. It's meant to feel like a party. Now, I don't know about you, but I've thrown a few parties in my time. I've thrown some parties that went really well. I've thrown some parties that went really bad, right? Like I remember throwing this one party and uh, I think it was around like my birthday maybe, which is in March. And, uh, and so, you know, we're coming out of summer, coming into autumn. And we had this pool in our backyard, like three blokes living, living in, in this townhouse. I was at uni at the time and, and we're like, this is gonna be awesome. Let's throw a pool party, but it was getting chilly. So we're like, imagine how cool it would be if the pool had hot water in it, right? This is how my brain works. But at the same time, we had to go, we had to go down to Bilo, when, back when Bilo existed at Market Town, and we had to get supplies for the party, right? Because who knows a good host, right? Make sure that, there's, that, that, that the party is catered, right? Nobody wants to go to a, a party where it's not catered. And so, and so we're like, epic idea. Let's attach the hose to the kitchen tap, run it out into the backyard into the pool. Now, kitchen taps don't come with hose connections. We're like, opportunity, not an obstacle, right? And, and so we're like, let's just gaff tape it because gaff tape fixes everything. And so we get our hose and we, we, we take it from the backyard and we bring it all the way in through the kitchen, tiled floors and, you know, carpet and lounge room, but tiled floors in the kitchen becomes important later in the story. And we attach the hose to the kitchen tap and we gaff this thing. And I mean, we gaffed it good. We're like... We, we're about to leave to go to Bilo. We're gonna skate down to Bilo, and we need a, we need some level of assurance inside of us that this thing isn't gonna fall off while we're gone. And so we gaff it real good and we turn it on like all the way to hot water. At that point in time, I had no idea how much hot water it took out of the electricity bill. I now know my kids are, are, are like resorted to like one minute hot showers because I got to pay that bill now. But um, but back then I was oblivious. I was like, I was like living in like, you know, just moved out of homeland and this sounded like a great, great thing. Anyway, we're off skating and we had left one of my friend's uh, girlfriends in our house just in case. We're like, look, you don't have to come. We're going to skate down and we're going to, you know, skate back and you're fine. Just chill out. And, and so we go and we skate down to Bilo. Now it's about a 15 minute skate from where we were living down. We're just cruising around, having a great time. We're like talking about how awesome this hot, part, hot pool is going to be. And, um, 
we kind of, we're like mid-shop. So we've been gone like 20 minutes, like 30 minutes maybe, mid-shop, we get a phone call. And, uh, and the phone call is like, ah, you gotta get back here. Like the kitchen is flooded. And we're like, oh no, oh no. And, and so what had happened, obviously, was that the water had loosened, the hot water and the steam had loosened the stickiness of the gaff tape and, and the hose had completely fallen, kind of not totally off, but enough that it was like shooting into the hose, but then out of the hose at the same time. And so our kitchen is now filling with hot water and the pool is not filling with hot water. And it is flooding and it is like, I'm talking like it is measurably deep across our kitchen by the time we get home. Because we got the phone call, we got to get through the register and we got to skate home with bags of supplies. And by the time we get home, it's been another 20 minutes since we were told your kitchen is flooding and we get home and it's not, it's like, it is it is like uh, we got a swim pool inside, which would have been cool if we had planned that, but we hadn't. Needless to say, we had a major cleanup operation on before people arrived, and people arrived to the sort of party that nobody ever wants to put on, right? Because our party, there was no atmosphere, right? There was no, there was no buzz. There was no like, no one walked into like this, this vibey, you know. When you walk into a party, you want to walk in and you want your host to have prepared the party for you. You want to walk in and feel like the life is already there, and you're just coming into this place. It's like a lie and buzzing and there's music on and you're looking and there's like lollies and chips or if, if you're healthy there's like hummus and carrot sticks right a couple of pita breads there I don't know right I'm going the lollies and chocolate every time but but we had not had a chance to set up any of that and it was like that was a fail party because there is something about a party that defines a party and that is the atmosphere that is the atmosphere of celebration, the atmosphere of life, the joy, the energy, the, the ambience, the party vibes, right? Without that, it's not a party. And I want to tell you, church, I don't want to throw a party that's not a party. I don't want our Sunday gathering, whether it's online or whether we get back in person, I want us to be sure that we know how to throw a party about being found. So here we go. From now on, our temple gathering is going to be known as one thing. And I don't expect this to suddenly like change overnight. We've got to work towards this. We've got to learn what it looks like to throw a great party. Because right now, I'm telling you, I love you, but we're not there. God is taking us somewhere. We're not there yet, but we're heading there. When we gather as a church, as a corporate gathering, right? We'll talk table next week, but temple this week. We are going to be known for throwing a party in a home because we're a home for hope. And when people walk into our Sunday gathering, you better believe it's going to feel like a party. You better believe that there's going to be, there's going to be a sense of life, right? There's going to be energy. There's going to be a vibe. There's going to be uh, uh, music playing. Um, uh, there's going to be smells that are inviting. People on our, our welcome team, you're going to be the most welcoming people on the face of the planet. Do you know why? Because you, church, are not the invitees. You, church, are the host. Every one of you is hosting this party because every one of you has been found. This is your party that you're throwing to invite your neighbours. You see, in, in, in Scripture, the person who was throwing the party invited all of their neighbours over to be a part of the party. Uh, 
and, and, and so I'm telling you right now, you're not invited, you're the host. You're the host of this party. We don't rock up on a Sunday to our corporate gathering and sit back and be like, oh, well, they didn't throw a very good home. No, 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 you're the host. What are you bringing to our party? This is our party. What are you bringing? What are you catering? What are you adding to the atmosphere? Are you setting the atmosphere in our party? Are you bringing the sense of life and energy and party vibe? Or are you hoping someone else does it? I'm sorry if this sounds a little odd this morning, but we've got to understand that you, church, are not being invited to a party that the pastors are throwing. You're not being invited to a party that the team that's rostered on on that Sunday is throwing. Every time we gather, collectively, we are throwing a party about being found. And we better get used to inviting people to it because in Luke, every time they threw a party, they invited their neighbours. They invited their neighbours. And you know why it's not just a party anywhere, but a party in a home? It's because a home is familiar. A home is safe. A home is where you're known. A home is where visitors feel welcomed in. And so church, we're going to have a party in a home every Sunday whether it's online or whether we gather in person, it's going to be a party in a home. It's going to be full of life. It's going to be overflowing with energy and celebration. And there's going to be people invited because you're going to invite them to your party to celebrate the fact that you've been found. You see, a party is this funny little thing. It's about you, but it's not a party if it's only you. When I send out birthday invitations, it's because I want those people to help celebrate what I'm celebrating. And so the party that we're throwing, it's about us. So our whole service isn't oriented to the invitees. It's about us. We've been found. We're partying. But it's not a party without them. It's not a party with those that we're inviting. Without them. We're going to invite them in. And so what is it not? Before I wrap this up, and I know I'm going over time, but... I'm believing it's okay this week. What is it not? Our party is not the counselling couch. Our party is not the classroom, right? We're going to unpack Scripture. We're going we're to throw out some revelation from God's Word because we believe it is, it is imperative. But it is not the place where we are going to spend copious amounts of time unpacking the depths, the Greek, I am going to promise you right now, there will be a space and a place in our church corporate calendar and events that does that. It will be its own place. It will be an amazing place where we can unpack and we can teach and we can get that. But, but it's not the place for a party to sit down and have a little unpacking of the deep. You know what? No one likes the people in the corner at a party who are having a DM, like a deeper meaningful, is that even a thing anymore? DMs, now we do them online, right? Like Instagram, just DM me. Nobody likes that person in the corner of the party because we're all there to have a good time together. The party is about the community. It's not about two people that need to go off and have a little conversation. Now that doesn't mean that we don't build community at our party, but there's better places for those conversations, church. And we're going to hear about them next week when we gather around the table, the intimate setting. This is about our temple, our corporate gathering, our party about being found. And you know, when we look across our church, there's going to be multiple spaces where this happens. I see youth 
having a party on a Friday night. I see us having a party here online on a Sunday. I see us in person, in multiple locations, around our city and beyond our city, gathering, having a party. Wherever we gather as a corporate body, party in a home, people. Party in a home, our home, our party. 